morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 198. This year, if you haven't been following the Sicko's Twitter account, has been a very sicko year for uh, a lot of teams. And this is probably one of the most interesting ways um, that I could think of a team winning a Power 5 conference. So technically, uh, and this comes from Reddit, So, and I didn't fact check it. I'm just spewing spewing things from Reddit at this point. Allegedly, a 1-8 Northwestern can still technically win the Big Ten if Northwestern wins out at Minnesota, at Purdue, and then uh, versus Illinois. Illinois must lose out against Purdue at Michigan and at Northwestern. Then Nebraska must defeat Wisconsin and Iowa, and Nebraska must lose to Michigan. Purdue has to lose to Indiana, and then Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin must go one and one against each other. That means everybody in the Big Ten West would be tied for first at four and five. The first tiebreaker is the best division record, of course, which technically would be Illinois and then Northwestern at four and two. And then Northwestern would go to the championship game due to the uh, head-to-head win over Illinois early season. And then, of course, uh, if Northwestern beats the Big Ten East champion, they are the Big Ten championship game. Sicko. That checks out. I, I, I was following along. I pulled up the Big Ten standings and I was following along. That checks out. Yeah, I now desperately want that to happen. It I also, do not, it's not going to happen, but it does check out as a distinct possibility. I would love it to happen. What's currently happening right now is some cyclone football. And it's amazing. We, we actually won a game, um, a football game this week. It's the first time in what, five weeks that the, we got a winning winning cyclones football team. Is that right? Has it been five uh, weeks? Yeah, we yeah, were 0 5 in conference play going into been, this game. It, so it's been no. six. So it's been seven weeks then because there was also a bye week in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it has well been over almost, a month. It has been almost two months since the Cyclones last won a football game. But they did on Saturday with 31 to 14. I'm going to call it a dominating victory over West Virginia. I would agree. Um, I don't know if you guys have other thoughts. I mean, West um, Virginia did not have much offense at all in that game until a garbage time last minute touchdown. Um, I was going to say 31 to 14. Even get 14 points. Was. Yeah, right. I know. That's what, that's what I was thinking too. I mean, what, yeah. Realistically, think of that win as 31 to 7. Yeah, the two touchdowns came with 34 seconds left in the first half and one minute left in the second half. So the game was already well decided before that second touchdown. Um, And uh, that was just uh, point differential changes in there. But to me, the biggest takeaway for this game, the defense was great as normal. That's not... uh, that's not much of a surprise to anybody, I don't think. But to me, it's, it's amazing what happens when you have a good running game. Iowa State ran for 172 yards in this game, by far the most um, in a long time, led by Deion Silas and Katarius Norton. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Cartavius Norton. Cartavius Norton, Cartavius. yeah. Yeah, um, with 77 and 69 yards, respectively. Um it was good to see the ground game get going, and it opened up things in the passing game for Deckers, who certainly wasn't incredible in this game, but he did what he needed to do. If you have a good running game, you can take 219 yards from your quarterback and, and two touchdowns. That's 
Yeah, and I think that's the role that he would is better suited for. I don't think he's like the guy, but he's definitely a guy that can get it done if you give him the situations. Um, you know, we talked last time about how bad our run deep our running game has been for these past five games. We had two people in this game rush for more yards than anyone has rushed for in the last five games before it. Like we broke off a lot of big runs, which helped a lot. Jalen Noel had one rush for 27 yards. Deion Silas had his long was 38 and he had another long one. Like we were breaking him off, but it was good to see people finally get going. Interesting. Uh, Deion Silas only had six carries and ran for 77 yards. Cartevius Norton was our workhorse. Uh, we had talked about how much we liked him after the first game of the year, but we hadn't seen him. Uh, he rushed it 18 times. Interestingly, Jirel Brock, four carries for 13 yards. So definitely monitor that timeshare going forward. He did get injured, though. Oh, did he? I didn't notice he, that. He, he did get injured at one point during the he game. Got, yes, he got banged cool. up, and on the way to the locker room, they said that he hasn't hadn't come in in like the last four or so offensive series. Uh, so he was hurt again. And I don't, th- I, I don't know if he ever came back healthy. I think yeah, they I tried to bring him back too fast, and I think all of these issues are just lingering issues of it, that initial injury that he had. So I, I don't think Brock is a hundred percent healthy. And now that Cartavius Norton is healthy, uh, and seems to be like he's got some potential for this team, I, my gut is go with Cartavius Norton for the rest of the season. Um, just let Brock heal up and get healthy unless he's ready for the last game. But I, I think you need to, to rest him up. I was going to say, the other point I wanted to make about the running game um, around Norton especially, was this this sort of breakout for him, him getting healthy, or West Virginia's defense being bad, or a combination of both? What do you guys think on that one? Uh, I tend to lean, I think it's a combination of A and B. But I do tend to lean a little bit towards West Virginia making us look good. Then all of a sudden, our line and our you know running backs have figured out the key to running for 170 yards a game. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that as well. I'm frantically going back and seeing how many rushing yards they've given up uh, in games in this season. They gave up 200 rushing yards to KU uh, in week two of the season. Um, Week four of the season against Texas, they gave up 110 rushing yards, so not a ton. That, that, Baylor, that's not that bad to Bijan Robinson. Right. Uh, I do believe that was a game Bijan Robinson did not play, however. Oh, never mind. Uh, 169 to Baylor. I'm actually just going to go check and see if Bijan Robinson played. He did. 21, 21 rushes for 101 yards. So never mind. Uh, TCU, who has a very stout run- rushing attack, only 153. So not too bad against the run. Not not horrible against the run, I would say. I just hesitate to take one game out of all the conference games we've seen and be like, just clicked. We got it now. Like I'm gonna need to see it more than once before I just say you did a great job. And that's something I was gonna bring up. I, I don't know that the play calling was really that different than what we've seen in other games. You know, we saw a lot of short routes still. We saw a lot of crossers. We saw a little bit more runs to the outside, which was nice. But I look at the receptions, 24 receptions as a team, 10 of them went to, to Xavier Hutchinson. Like, we have those same things going on, super reliant on, on Xavier, 
little short routes, uh, a lot of running, a little bit of too many runs up the middle when we don't want them. Like, I think it was a little bit of the defense on their end having a bad day while we had a good day. I don't know that we will see a repeat performance per se. Right, because according to the score, I don't know where they're getting all of these team rankings from, but their West Virginia's defense is 99th in the nation, only allowing 137.3 rushing yards per game, which is actually better than K-State's defense, which I think K-State has a better defense than West Virginia, and K-State's giving up 148.3 rushing yards per game. So maybe it was just a, a breakthrough game for the Iowa State run game somehow. I'd love to see it. Yeah, that would be, it would be great to see if the one game could continue. Um, but you're right. One game is not enough to make a judgment on it. Um, I'm more inclined to believe it's the same as it was during the uh, during the, the five game losing streak than during one game um, at home against what is probably the worst team in the Big 12. Right. West Virginia is probably the worst team in the conference. Yeah, I would say so. I would agree with that. I think this game was a battle for, I mean, it was a battle for last place at the time. Um, whether or not Iowa State ends up ninth is still up for debate based on um, the results of the rest of the year. But it, it was definitely a battle for who is the worst team in the conference. The loser of that game probably cements worst team in the conference status. I do think if we can get this run game going, that is the piece that unlocks this team. If we have a consistent run game, we're tough to beat. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that as well, right? I mean, you saw it against, um, you saw it in the non-conference. Um, even against Iowa, we ran the ball decently Yeah. Um, against Iowa. I mean, I won't say it was, was fantastic, but if, I mean, if you look at the box score, Brock ran for 100 yards and it allowed Deckers to be good enough to win the game. Right, that's that's what it comes down to. That's our game plan. Mm-hmm. If we run, if we can run the ball, we because a lot of our pass plays are uh, more tend to be short crosses and the like. Um, we can't end up behind the sticks, right? Or even in third and and longer than five, right? I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I would imagine if this team ends up in third and longer than five, they don't convert very often. And the run game is the key to not end up in third and more than five, right? Yeah. If, if you can pick up three yards on the ground on first down, you're in great shape. Like, you don't even have to be great in the run game, but at least be serviceable in the run game. And they were against West Virginia, and it, it got us the win. So there's, there's, there's going to be a correlation between um, yards per attempt on the ground and victory for Iowa State, for sure. I definitely agree with that. It is... It is something that we've been stressing in a big pain point for this team. The one thing that I will say I was um, a little perturbed by is the number of drops that the receivers had this weekend as well. Uh, I would say Deckers had a good game. Uh, and there were twi- twice that I remember for sure, two receivers dropped passes that hit them in the numbers. Like, you can't catch the ball with your body you have to catch the ball with your hands um i don't know if i need to break that down more for for anyone but you have to go out get the ball and pull it in rather than letting it hit you and trying to catch it then because you'll get those bad bounces um one for sure in the end zone with Jalen Knoll, uh and the other one i'm blinking on who that went to but that you you can't you can't shoot yourself in the foot 
Yeah, we definitely commented in the stands that maybe Cartavius Norton is not the best back to pass to. Uh, he did not look good. He had at least one drop pass in the game. Uh, if you're going to pass, maybe bring another running back in, but he looked good on the ground. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the good news is passing or pass catching is absolutely something you can work on in the offseason, right? True. Like, if, the, if it's get faster, that's a little tougher. If it's just catch better, you can work on that. You can get better at that. So if that's our biggest flaw with Norton, that bodes well for next year, in my opinion. Um, the special teams was, was okay-ish. Um, we did miss a field goal, um, which was disappointing. But otherwise, the kicking was fine. Um, kickoffs, I thought, were very good, um, especially the coverage. Punting was great, per usual. Um, the punt returning, Jalen Noel, I think Jalen Noel overall is just having a bad year. I don't know what you guys think about that, but especially in punt returning, he's having a bad season. He is definitely underperformed to what the expectations were this year. I would agree with that for sure. I, I would also agree with that. I, I'm not exactly sure he's setting up the blocks well. Um, there's a lot of times where he's not spatially knowing exactly where he is on the field, and he's letting balls go that he should have caught. He's trying to catch balls that he shouldn't be catching. Uh, I, I don't know if he's got that natural gift to be a punt returner or a kick returner like a Kine Nwongu was. Um, I, I think Iowa State still has some room to improve on who their their special teams uh, guy is going to be for punt and kick returns. Yeah, I couldn't see where it hit uh, in the stands, but like, boy. He had that one he let go that hit it about the 40-yard line, and it bounced down to, like, the five or whatever. I don't know why he let that one go. I agree with you that sometimes, spatially, it doesn't make a lot of sense, the decisions that he makes. Yeah, and that's, that's a, it's, it's been letting the punts bounce has been the problem for me. When he catches the ball, he's, he's done the right things. He's fair caught it when he should. He's returned it when he should, and he's made some good returns. It's his catch-no-catch decisions that have been baffling to me. Is he scared of contact? What does it look like? We talked about drops before as well. Is he dropping it over crossers in the middle where he's scared to get hit again? Something to look at. But I mean, at least for punts, it's a fair catch is for. Wave for the fair catch and no one's going to hit you. Or if they do, you'll take your 15 yards and be happy, right? Right. I mean, until I don't know who else you'd use to return punts. Um, So I'm not going to suggest taking him out without somebody to replace him with. That would be obtuse but um if is there a better option is the question that we should be asking i don't know if there is he's one of your most shifty guys i think he's the one who offers the biggest home run possibility yeah the only guy i look at and think maybe off the top of my head is silas right yeah but at the same time at this late in the season do you want to plug and play a different piece where they could potentially make some mistakes trying to fill into that new role Mm -hmm. right I think you almost just write it out and reevaluate going into next season. I agree with you. Because I don't think our kick returning and punt returning is going to win us two more games to make us bowl eligible alone. No. Like we have bigger issues in the run game, first and <laughs> foremost. Uh, I would just send Jalen Noel out there and be like, hey, go fair catch everything uh, unless you are standing on the 10 yard line and the ball's going over your head. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to tend to agree with you there. Any other thoughts on this last week's game besides uh, being good to get back in the win column? Mm-mm. 
I don't think so. I think that game was, in a way, a must-win for this team. It, it was. It was because you don't want to be. Um, you don't want to finish last in the conference, and that's what you would have been in real danger of. Right. In fact, you would have been almost guaranteed to finish last in the conference yep. if you would have lost that game. In college, just because you suck doesn't mean you get like better recruits or draft picks it's not the nfl exactly thinking means something yeah so every game that you win is actually key for like morale and culture within a program and it really gives this team a path to still make it to six wins right that's the keep the streak keep the streak of matt campbell and bowl games alive um not that matt campbell's necessarily concerned about the streak overall but i'm sure he would take a six and six bowl game season with this team um after how this season has kind of panned out so far i agree and and right there is a path to a bowl game right now that even two weeks ago i didn't see right you've got your fourth win now so you just need to go two and one down the stretch and really what's opened up for us is is next week's game here. Um, yeah. Saturday, 2.30 against Oklahoma State on ESPNU. Just three weeks ago, Oklahoma State was a top 10 team in the nation, right? Before they lost to TCU, they were eighth in the nation, right? If I remember correctly in the AP poll? Yeah, seven or eight, I think, yeah. Um, they've now lost three straight. They lost to TCU in overtime and have gotten drilled by Texas and then Kansas in back-to-back weeks. Um, shout out to Kansas for six wins in bowl eligibility, by the yeah. way. Ripping down goalposts, baby. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So now a game that was I had chalked up three weeks ago as a for sure Iowa State loss, right, at OSU. Um, ISU is actually favored by a point in this game um, as of this recording. FPI puts us at slight underdogs, giving us about a 46% chance to win. But the betting line is actually Iowa State is a favorite in this game. I think that's generous. I still think OSU is better than Iowa State, especially at home. But it's certainly not out of the question that they could win this game now at this point, right? It's definitely a possibility. And not at all. And one of the things that's definitely opened up for it is when you don't have your your key guy, your starting quarterback that you've had at Oklahoma State for the past three seasons, Spencer Sanders under center. Uh, it really changes the game in the outlook because before the game against KU, they had referenced that there were no quarterbacks on the roster who had thrown like an actual college attempt prior to this season. So it, it is a young group behind Spencer Sanders, very inexperienced. Now, are they capable? Possibly. But ultimately, if it's something to watch going throughout the week and you'll definitely see it probably reflected in the line for this game is if Spencer Sanders plays, I think the line's going to shift more towards Oklahoma state. But if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, you're probably going to see that line grow a little bit in Iowa state's favor. And that definitely opens the door for Iowa state to win that game for sure. It's not a hundred percent, but it makes it a little bit easier. For sure. I mean, in playing any, just as the Minnesota Vikings playing anybody without the starting quarterback is, is, is good. If if the backup quarterback was better, either the coach is an idiot or they'd be the starter. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good point. And one thing that you're gonna see in this game, if Spencer Sanders plays, you're gonna see good on good. Uh and, and I'm saying that 
with respect to Oklahoma State's offense versus Iowa State's defense, right? Iowa State's Oklahoma State's offense is uh, 56th in the country in total yards per game, 29th in passing yards per game, 162nd in rushing, so they don't run the ball, but they're tied for 21st in scoring with 36.6 points per game. Now, on the flip side, Iowa State's defense only gives up 16.3 points per game uh, and only 173.9 yard passing yards uh, per game, which is 24th in the country defensively. So you got 29th in the country passing yards on offense, 24th in the country on defense. Um, Iowa State is good on uh, third down, only allowing 31% of their uh, of third down completions. And then Oklahoma State isn't really the best on third down. They're only... Uh, completing the or successfully completing third downs at a rate of 39.9%. So that is something to keep an eye on. It is really going to be strength on strength, which one's going to give and then watch and see if Spencer Sanders is actually going to play in this game or not. Those, those are going to be the keys. Any other keys to the game? Ryan? you got anything? No, not, not specifically. No. If they win this game though, they're very, likely to make a ball game to me this is the game that decides if they make a ball game if they win they're very likely to make a ball game if they lose they're very unlikely to make a ball game right outside of this the remaining schedule is home against texas tech where you'll be probably touchdown favorites again like you were against west virginia and then at tcu um after thanksgiving where you'll be at least touchdown if not more underdogs win this game and you likely have it and don't and you likely don't so a pick 'em game to decide whether we go to a ball game. It's not exactly what we were hoping for, but six wins is not that far from what many of us thought at the beginning of the year. And we're experts. Oh, yes, that's, we that's are. True. That's why you listen to us every week. Yep. This could definitely keep the season from being a disaster. And five wins probably isn't a disaster either, but six it's wins just, is definitely not a disaster of a season. So it's just something that we're not used to and the interesting thing to think about is if this team gets to a bowl game and they win they'll ha- they'll match the record of last year's team with the likes of charlie kohler brock purdy Brees hall chase allen right but last year was one of the most disappointing seasons in school history so. correct no i don't blame you there or i don't disagree with you there at all but i'm just saying is if this team could get to a bowl game and they win that game I think I think then this season potentially surpasses expectations at that point. Yeah. But whereas the football team hasn't done as much winning, I think we're primed to see some winning on the hardwood this year. And believe it or not, college basketball season is already underway. Mike, do you want to to fill us in on how the Cyclone men and women performed on Monday? Yeah. I mean, so th- did the start of the season sneak up on anybody else? It definitely snuck up on me. All of a sudden, I I was looking on Sunday and I was like, oh, the the season starts on Monday. Yeah, it was it was wild to me because we didn't hear. But there wasn't a whole lot of pomp and circumstance around it. It didn't seem like. No, there was not, which is interesting. I mean, we can talk about maybe maybe they should advertise that better, find better ways to uh, to make that happen. But anyway, we will we will get into that maybe later. It was it was a great start to the season um, for both the men and the women, the women. um beat down Cleveland State 87-54 to 54, um, in a game that was never really in doubt. Um, 
Ashley Jones um, with another great performance, as we've come to expect from her, and hopefully we'll get all year. Um, she scored 28 points to go along with uh, 11 rebounds, five assists, um, and two blocks. So just a great game from Ashley Jones. So what what is – I'll ask the same question about the men in a little bit, but what do you view – as a as a successful season for this women's team, they are ranked number nine in the nation. Uh, excuse me, eight in the nation um, preseason. For those of you who uh, haven't been keeping track, what 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 is a successful season for this team in your guys's mind? Lead eight. Yeah, I agree. Mike and I had talked about this this weekend at homecoming. We said the same thing. Like, you need to be at the Elite Eight. Uh, it's not necessarily a failure of a season if you don't get to the Elite Eight. Obviously, it's very hard to get there. But I think those are realistic expectations, and we should be disappointed if that does not happen. And yeah. to add on to that, we should probably be playing in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. And I think that's realistic. This team is good. Last year's team was good, and this team has every reason to believe that they're better. We added Stephanie Soares, who looks incredible. She had a great first game, 15 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks, four steals, three assists. Like, that's a really good game. She's going to be another another one to fill up the stat sheet, just like Ashley Jones does. Like, And I think the thing that's going to help this team getting into tournament time is there's going to be another person that can fill up the stat sheet alongside of Jones. I think that's what's possibly going to make this team more dangerous is Ashley Jones could go out and, you know, get her, get her stats every single night. But if the rest of the team didn't step up a little bit, at least and help, this team was very vulnerable. Whereas now you have another player coming alongside Jones that makes it difficult to guard them on the offensive side of the ball and i think this team's going to be really scrappy on the defensive side too and if you look like at the rest of the conference this year i i don't see why this team can't can't win the big 12 in the regular season and i don't see why they they shouldn't be competing in the big 12 championship game in kansas city right yeah. yeah, I agree. Anything less than a sweet 16 is, is, is a failure of a season. And I know that's, um, I know that's, uh, might be a little bit harsh, but it is that that's gotta be the reality for this team. There's, there's gotta be some sort of standard that is set this year with this team and the type of roster that, that we filled out here. Yeah. And we know Finley is good. He's been good there. He just has a floor already. We expect that from him. He executes and gives us what we want on a year in year out basis. So the, the floor for success is a lot higher for sure. Yeah. Anytime you can add skilled size in college, it is very important. Obviously there aren't as many big people at every single school. So the fact that we have a center that seems to be doing well, at least in our first game, obviously we'll see how it goes once we get in a tournament play or conference play. But Anytime you can add skilled size, that is something that some teams just can't answer for. Like, there's no answer for it. So I love seeing that. Over on the men's side, they also had quite the dominating performance in the first um, game of the year. They beat IUPUI 88-39. Now, before you read too much into this, um, IUPUI was a really, really bad team last year. And there's no reason to think they're going to be any better. Um next year or this year um so don't read too much into this but it was good to see um some of the newcomers 
um, specifically what I was looking at, have good games for the men's team. Specifically, loved the performance from Jalen Holmes. Um, scored 23 points on 8 of 16 shooting. Um, also had also added four rebounds, um, two assists, and three steals to that. And he did it on 16 shots, too. Um, so an efficient 23 points. Um, other interesting notes from that game, Gabe Kalsha came off the bench, bench, but still played 32 minutes and was also very efficient. 16 points on 5 of 10 shooting, including 4 of 7 from 3. It was good to see Kalsher get a good game. Um, if he can have a year like he had as a freshman, I mean, I know we said this all the time last year, but if he can have a game like he had um, or a season like he had when he was a freshman, that's going to be huge for this team. Honestly, we just need him to not have a season like he had last season. That was by far the worst season of his college career in almost every metric. Just yeah. bounce back to average, even if it's just closer to that season. We just need not worst shooting he's ever had in his career. Right. I I agree with that. I think the thing that's that's interesting to look at with this team and and I'm just going to go ahead and jump the gun and and talk about season expectations cuz I don't we we don't have a lot to talk about from this game, right? There it's not much of a measuring stick of what this team's going to look like. The only thing that I'll speak to here is good for us on the offensive boards. Uh mm-hmm. 13 offensive rebounds. Osuni, the new center, 6'10 with a 6'11 wingspan, I believe. No, no, no. Six foot, uh, six foot 11 with a 7'9 wingspan. Okay, sorry. 7'9 wingspan. So that's going to help on the offensive glass a ton. I mean, he had 10 rebounds, or sorry, well, only two rebounds. 10 points, two rebounds. like to see those numbers go up a little bit, but um, this team is starting or he's going to have a ro- in the rotation six new faces um, on this roster this year. So what are the expectations? Maybe maybe be one of the bubble teams in the NCAA tournament. I think that's not out of the realm of possibility with the way that TJ and this defense will end up playing uh, going through the season. I don't know if we're if we can realistically expect that they're ever, that they're going to make it back to the Sweet Sixteen this year. I don't know if the makeup of that this team is quite there. But neither was last year. But I'm saying we can't expect that. I think yeah. the the expectation is be a bubble NCAA tournament team. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, just odd. I asked the guys before we started. Nobody was really sure. We did not see Trey King play. He sat all last year with transfer stuff, and we did not see him last game. So I'm curious when he plays, what's going on there. Um, I don't hate. Gabe Kalsher off the bench. Um, if that can give him a spark, that's awesome. If that helps him, uh, the only thing I have that I don't love is we really his defense is fantastic, and to lock up the, the other team's best offensive, you know, perimeter player is a big deal for us. Yeah, especially when you're going to have Kalsher against the likes of like Tyrese Hunter when we go and play Texas. Uh, don't remind me. That's going to be fiery right there. Don't remind me. I should write down that there's going to be at least one tech in that game. Gabe Kalsher clapping in Hunter's face. Mm-hmm. This is this is very off topic, but it just popped in my mind. Does Hunter get booed or get applauded when he comes here in a Texas uniform? Booed. Both. Easy. Sorry, I said both. Oh, yeah. I think he'll, he'll get booed. He might get I applause, think get but you're not hearing him. First, but then at the end of the game, there might be a slight applause for him. Like a, Only if we win. Hey, thank you for what you did for us last year. But 
goodbye and good riddance. Yeah, I, uh, boy, if I was there, I won't be at this game probably. Um, I probably boo him personally. Um, but yeah, I think he'd get booed. So we'll see. Um, anyway, sorry, back to the topic at hand. I'm also fine with uh, Kalsha coming off the bench. Um, but I would also be fine if he places Guil in the starting lineup, especially if Guil continues to do what he did this week, where he was, I don't know if he was probably a second worst performer of the game. Um, he played 31 minutes, only had nine points, and was three of 11 from shooting, including one of six from three. Like, Guil, we, we, we have you to do one thing, and it's hit threes. Do, do that for us, please. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're called on to hit threes, you can't be one of eleven in the game. You just can't. <laughs> That's not sustainable, especially if you're for some reason starting. Yeah, and I will say he did have seven rebounds and two steals, so he was putting in work on the defensive end. And if you're gonna do that well on the defensive end of the ball on this team, that will get you minutes. So if you're not on it, please don't jack up eleven shots. <laughs> I, I, you can find different ways to contribute, and I think TJ will appreciate that as well. And also, please don't find it out on the eighth shot that you <laughs> attempt that you're also that you're one for eight and that you don't have it that night. Maybe I don't have it tonight. Maybe if you're one for five, call it quits unless you're wide open. Yeah, and I'm guessing, Mike, your other bad performer would be uh, Mr. Lipsy. Yeah, and I didn't watch the game, um, so I won't say for sure that it was a bad performance, but he only he started, he only got 17 minutes because he was in foul trouble, but he only took one shot, only had uh, two rebounds. He did have five assists and two steals, which was good to see. You'd just like to see the freshman um, gain some confidence um, in his first game, get some scoring. No turnovers, though, which was something that I'm definitely going to keep my eye on with him throughout the season is can he be a little less turnover prone than Tyrese Hunter was at the beginning of the season? And something that I want to keep my eye on is that Holmes to Osuni connection. They both transferred from the same place. I didn't get to watch the game either, but I'm hoping we can see some cool chemistry from them and a little built in, maybe pick and roll game that they're already super familiar with. That would be, would be good to see. We will have to keep an eye on all of these things um, going forward. Really, we won't know much about this team until um, Thanksgiving. I just, I was looking at their schedule before. What do you expect their schedule, their record to be entering conference play? Because to me, I think that they should be like, they should have two losses, in my opinion, going into conference play. Yeah, one or two losses. Yeah, I would say one or two losses. I think, I think that Villanova in the Iowa game are both technically road games the villanova one is a i believe the battle for atlantis the phil knight invitational okay Okay. there it is so the phil knight invitational so you'll have a game there but then you also have another game right they they play two games no matter what or is it just play one game Uh, well let let me look that up sorry that that that's a good question because if that's not listed on espn and we have another tough opponent there um, because they don't list it in the schedule because they don't know who you play until after that first game i was just looking at the 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 threesome of villanova st john's and iowa and we need to win one of those games in my opinion yes Totally agree. And if we get there with two, one or two losses, 100% a good preseason, non-con schedule, whatever you want to call it. I agree. I'm pulling up the bracket for this Phil Knight Invitational right now. Yeah, it's likely you'll play another good team there. Um, as far as strength of schedule gets concerned, 
it's going to be important to win that first game against Villanova if you because the other uh, part of your bracket is North Carolina versus Portland. Uh, you you want to play North Carolina, and they're going to beat Portland. You, you want to beat Villanova and get that matchup against North Carolina, even if you lose. That game would tell us a lot about this team. It would. The yes. Villanova game and the North and the uh, North Carolina game for sure. You are for sure going to get to play. I mean, this this field is stacked. The other four teams are UConn, Oregon, Alabama, and Michigan State. And if you look at the the top twenty five, right in this in this field, North Carolina's number one. Villanova sixteen. Yep, Villanova's sixteen, like we talked about already. Oregon is twenty one. Let's see, Michigan State is in the also receiving votes category. Iowa is. They're not in this field, but just as a note, so there are good teams that you're gonna you're gonna play um, in this tournament. So you really want to w- try to win that first game and get on the winning side of that bracket for strength of schedule reasons. Do keep an eye on that. If you're not doing anything else on Thanksgiving, that'll be a 2.30 tip-off. I plan on annoying my family by turning on that game during Thanksgiving. Same. We'll see if I can overpower whatever NFL. Do the Vikings play at that same time? I know they play on Thanksgiving. I'd be disappointed if it's no the idea. same time. I think they have the Sunday or the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving, so it should be good. Yeah, they do. I'll be fine. So there you go. You'll learn that weekend um, how good the Cyclones team is or isn't. Any other thoughts on uh, college basketball? Not so far. We'll uh, see what happens when it continues. Awesome. So um, the NFL, um, Kyle, will officially pass the midway point of the season. Am I seeing that correctly? We are. We are. We have exited week nine uh, with the completion of Monday Night Football. We are entering week 10. And as you might know, this year, there are 18 weeks in the NFL season. So with the completion of week nine, we are officially at the halfway point of the season. And we're going to run through this real quick. What is happening in the NFL world? The Eagles escaped the Texans on Thursday night football. They remain undefeated, albeit a pretty underwhelming performance by the Philadelphia Eagles. But a win is a win when every win matters. And they are still undefeated till they get knocked off. They they are going to be called the best team in the NFL. I mean, when you don't lose a game, it's it's pretty hard to unseat your throne there. They do have a pretty weak strength of schedule, but so far, hey, just win, baby. That's what the Eagles are saying. Mike, the Vikings won another one-score game. They are six and zero in such games this season. What's what's the uh, what's the feeling up in Minneapolis right now? It's uh, exactly the opposite of what happened last year, where they seemed to lose all of the close games um, last year. Um, the vibes up here. This team's feeling good. You got Kirk Cousins dancing shirtless in the plane, wearing blue light glasses with chains hanging around his neck. Yeah. Um, the, the, like I said, the vibes around this team are really, really good right now. Um, let me just say that if the Vikings win uh, in Buffalo on Sunday, there won't be able to be any uh, videos of the the plane celebration because I'm not sure Cousins will be wearing any clothes after, on on that plane ride home. If they He's slowly but surely le- leaving some of his clothing behind at, at visiting teams. He's just going to streak across the field next time. Yeah, I still don't think this team is quite as good as its record. Um, but this is a good team, and with how bad um, the Packers have been, which I'm sure you'll get to um, a little bit later, th- this team is going to the playoffs. So all that's up for grabs now is um, can they wrestle that one seed from the Eagles, which is going to be tough because the Eagles already have the tiebreaker, 
And um, can they show that they're legit Super Bowl contenders or are they just going to benefit from a bad division? The, the next four weeks are what's going what's to determine that. The Vikings' next four games are at the Bills, Cowboys at home, Patriots at home, Jets at home. Those are some tough games in there. So The Vikings might might benefit from getting the Bills at the right time as, as we'll talk later, a little bit later about Josh Allen's injury status. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Also, Josh Allen. I'm just thinking. Josh Allen is the leading rusher for the Bills this year. That's yes, interesting. Correct. correct. Okay. The Bills don't have a run game, but I'll touch on that in a bit as well. But I will say that T.J. Hawkinson acquisition: nine receptions, seventy yards. Is it was the best best tight end game from a Vikings tight end in a in like a season and a half, and he had like five days to prepare in this offense. So huge acquisition for this offense. Yeah, I think Detroit got fleeced by this because Minnesota got TJ Hawkinson who they're going to end up signing probably to a long-term deal. You have to, and they got a second and a third round pick out of it. I, the lions, they must've gave him some sleep aids and then just took him and said, all right, this is good. But the Vikings got a huge steal there and they got better. I think with that, uh, Moving through the rest of the league and week nine, Joe Mixon single-handedly won people fantasy football matchups. Um, So credit to Joe Mixon for absolutely screwing me in two different leagues. I appreciate that. Um, Fantasy football just sucked this week. So thanks to your 55 points in ESPN. Uh, He did set a Cincinnati franchise record with five touchdowns in a single game. but key note to watch watch is teams who play the Carolina Panthers since I think week three of the season all lose their next game. So if you're a money line better, I'm not giving you any advice, but Bengals next week, whoever their opponent is, you could go take a look at that. Uh, big upset of the week, though, however, was the Jets over the Bills. News to watch in this coming out of this game was Josh Allen's elbow injury that he sustained in the late in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're evaluating a UCL injury, better known in baseball, uh, le- typically leads to Tommy John surgery. So that is something to watch in Buffalo. Their backup being, is it Case Keenum? Yes, Case Keenum. We could have the uh, Case Keenum Vikings reunion yeah. uh, this week. So... Interesting report there. Uh, if it's a nerve damage, probably miss limited time. If it's a sprain, he might miss a week or two. But if it is a partial tear or a full tear of that UCL, uh, the Bills are definitely going to be hurting. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to talk about, as Mike brought up, the Bills' leading rusher is Josh Allen this season. The Bills, I don't think, can effectively be a Super Bowl contender this year until they have some resemblance of a rushing attack. Uh, outside of Josh Allen. They are too heavily dependent on Josh Allen, just like the Dallas Mavericks are too heavily dependent on Luka Doncic. You need Josh Allen to be Superman in every single game that he plays. And if jo- and if he isn't, like he wasn't against the Jets, uh, you have these issues where teams can get to the Bills, right? The Jets made... Uh, Two key interceptions in that game. Sauce Gardner is becoming a stud in the NFL. The Jets have drafted really well. Uh, And then I believe he also had a fumble lost in that game. So he's turning the ball over and he was hurting the team. So when he isn't Superman, the Bills struggle. So Josh Allen needs some help and it's going to come with a effective rushing game. 
you don't have to rush for 100 yards. You just need to hold defenses accountable, much like we talk about all the time with Iowa State. So same things, different level of football. The Cincinnati Bengals' next opponent is Pittsburgh, uh, so I don't know that I'd throw a lot of money on that. Kenny Pickett with two touchdowns and eight interceptions on the season doesn't make me want to give out my money. Hey, trends are trends. So <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Do what you want with that information. But some trends in the NFL are what coaches are on the hot seat. And clearly Frank Reich was on the hot seat in Indianapolis after the Colts go out and look absolutely abysmal uh, against the the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick continues to coach a team up that just wins football games somehow, even though it doesn't look pretty. Um, so Frank Reich, a week after firing an offensive coordinator that no one even knew the Indianapolis Colts had, Frank Reich then gets fired. So now they have no one to call plays this week uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. They're, they're trying to figure out who that'll be. They just announced that it's the... Uh, assistant quarterbacks coach is going to be calling offensive plays this weekend. I'm sure never that'll call, go well. Never call plays at any never level. Plays. Correct. I'm sure that'll go well. Also, they hire an interim head coach <laughs> just Saturday who just recently finished up his prep high school coaching duties in Georgia to coach the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, Jim Irsay has the balls to go into his press conference and say he's never hired a losing football coach. Well, why are you always firing your coaches if they're not losing? So interesting what the Colts are trying to do there. Their offensive line, highest paid in the league, isn't working out. Jonathan Taylor is hurt. Matt Ryan acquisition looks like a terrible trade. Uh, maybe Carson Wentz wasn't the issue. I, I don't know. But the Colts are in shambles right now. And it looks like they're they're just trying to play to get some draft picks, although they say they're playing to win football games. So Jeff Saturday could come in and ruin that draft pick capital for him. Speaking of draft pick capital, the Packers are in prime position for that. If they are losers of four straight, uh, their ugly loss to the uh, Detroit Lions this weekend just marks another checkbox in a very... Disappointing season, maybe, for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem to be all in. Uh, Bakhtiari plays when he wants to, supposedly. Uh, catching a touchdown pass, but then sitting out for most of the game, but coming in on the final drive because it mattered. Um, interesting situation going on there in Green Bay. Uh, all of the Packers owners out there, sure, they're in love with this team this season got to be frustrating for them is it aaron Rodgers' last season should it be like in the nfl or as for the Packers? i think in the nfl well at least for the packers we'll say that but what team is going to take on his 50 million dollar contract though if if it was a normal human being i would say no however in the past year or so aaron Rodgers has decided to show us all he's a really weird dude so it's a possibility for sure he just decides he wants to leave and I don't know, roam the deserts of the Sahara doing exotic drugs or whatever he does in the offseason. That, that wouldn't even surprise me at this point. So it's more of a possibility than it should be, in my opinion. I still think against it. I still don't think he's actually gonna, but he could. I agree. Would he I be surprised? Won't. No. Would I bet on it? Also, no. One person, though, you shouldn't bet on is Father Time, Tom Brady. He only needed 35 seconds this weekend to beat the lifeless L.A. Rams. L.A. is 
staring down a problem right now. They are things are dysfunctional on the offense. Their defense is getting mad at the organization and the offense because it's lifeless. They're staring down the barrel of no draft picks and zero draft capital uh, for a team that went all in to win a Super Bowl. They are paying the price now and the penalty of that. Uh, they're very top heavy in, in at all of their positional groups. Uh, quarterback, running back, or not running back, uh, defensive line, wide receiver, uh, cornerback, that and linebacker. They they need to get younger. That I think they're staring down the barrel of a rebuild, much to the dismay of uh, Cronky, I would assume. But yeah, the Rams okay. aren't doing we well, like and Tom Brady is back in it. Tom Brady still has a route to the Super Bowl. Think about it. This could be an eight and nine. Buccaneers team that makes the playoffs because they win their division because the division's absolutely lifeless. This is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that would host possibly a Daniel Jones at home, go on the road and play a primetime Kirk Cousins who will choke it away. And then you got Tom Brady in his 11th Super Bowl again. I hate it, but no, there's a road. You. There is a road for Tom Brady to be in the Super Bowl once again. We'll see if that happens or not. They're back in it. Maybe all Brady needed was was a little little space in his house. Um, the Seahawks, though, being the the story of the NFL this season, they win again. Geno Smith uh, just keeps doing what he needs to to win games. They beat up a Arizona Cardinals team that I'm not exactly sure what is going to happen this season, but it could be a cleaning of house and a complete restart there out in the desert. The Chiefs win in a weird game in which you look at the box score on Sunday Night Football. It looks like they probably should have won by 21 points. However, they didn't. They were in a dogfight, and it took some Patrick Mahomes heroics at the end of the game. A 18-yard rush on third and 17, and then an 8-yard touchdown scramble, plus a two-point conversion to tie the game. I took it to overtime. The Tennessee defense held up, but Malik Willis and that Tennessee Titans offense was absolutely lifeless in the second half. Uh, the Chiefs defense stepped up to make plays when they needed to, but it was definitely a game that you sweat out. And it just goes to show that a 12 and a half point line going into the game, it is hard in the NFL to win by that many points uh, when you're favored by that, as that is a three point victory for the Chiefs. But a win is a win. And with the Bills loss, the Chiefs are now theoretically only one game behind the Bills. Uh, since the Bills have the tiebreaker for that number one seed in the AFC. That is it. That is week nine of the NFL. Looking forward to a big week 10 uh, as we get that underway on Thursday night. If you are interested in the Atlanta Falcons and a riveting rivalry against the Carolina Panthers. So tune into that. Plus, we also get 8.30 a.m. Central Time uh, football on Sunday morning with the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Munich, Germany. Thank you for the update, Kyle. Um, in Mike, oh no, wow, I'm jumping ahead. How could I even forget this? I was going to jump ahead to a signature segment and forget something that was very quite important. We're forgetting it because no, none of us want to actually believe that the Astros deserve to be celebrated yeah the the astros did um win the world series um as far as we know they did it legitimately this time um there's been no cheating allegations that have come out of this world series um 
but the Houston Astros are the World Series champions. They beat the Phillies in six games. Rookie shortstop Jeremy Pena won the World Series MVP. Um, to me, this this Astros win was good for the sport. Um, we, we talked about this briefly on a previous episode, but in previous years, Philadelphia wouldn't have even come close to sniffing a playoff spot. It was only with the expanded playoffs that, that um, they got in. And the better team won. Um, the better team won this um, this World Series. And you can make an argument that the best team won the World Series. Yes, you could argue that the Dodgers were better than the Astros. And, and that'd be a legitimate argument. But to me, this was good for the sport. Expanding of the baseball playoffs, in my opinion, is bad for the sport. What are you guys' thoughts? I think the team that wins and beats all the other teams is the best team. I don't really care what happens in the regular season. So if the, you know, if the Phillies would have won, I would say expanding the playoffs was the right decision. They won and they beat everybody who supposedly was better than them. Obviously they weren't because they went up and against, against them in a series and it didn't happen. So I, I liked it. But if we look at how many series a, a team that we know is bad beat a team that we know is good, right? You can't judge it by one series in a 162 game season. In a sport where even the best teams lose 35% of their games. Judging the best team on one series is tough. Yeah, but I mean, it. We're we're not going to play 162 games in the playoffs. I know. You know, at the end of the day, put your best guys on the field. You got this many chances to get it done. Execute or you lose. And I I have no problem with that personally. I don't find it to be a positive or a negative, but you know, the Astros can say they won without cheating now. So good for them. That's true. It's good for TV revenue too. the expanded playoffs. I will say that. So that it's all about revenue at the end of the day. That's true. That, that is 100% true. That's why we keep expanding playoffs in in every every sport. sport. Yes. Not just in the MLB. Um, Does this redeem the Astros? No, not completely. There's going to be a section of fans that are going to be upset at the Astros forever for what they did. Baseball is a really petty. I I was going to say traditional um, (laughs) sport where you're not going to, things are not just going to be forgiven because you you did it the right way for once. So no, in many baseball pure, in many baseball purist minds, there will always be an asterisk on this World Series for the Astros. It doesn't, or on that World Series, sorry, this one's clean, uh, the one they won previously. So we'll see what it does in the future for some of their players if they get booed less, thrown out less, et cetera. But for me, no, it doesn't redeem them, but it does help their legacies that they also won one legitimately. So for players like Altuve. Yeah, I don't think it, it redeems them, but it does legitimize them. Agreed. That's a very good phrasing. Very good. Very well phrased, Arian. It does give them one legitimate World Series. Sorry, but that 2017 World Series, y'all didn't win that. I don't yeah, count there, that. There will always be an asterisk by that World Series in, in many people's minds. You're not alone. That's not a radical position by any means. If Kyle. I go to a Royals game and the Astros are there, doesn't matter. I'm still booing you when you run onto the field. I got weird looks. This is uh, last year, but I got weird looks at a Twins game. I booed AJ Hinch. She was the Tigers manager at the time. I booed AJ Hinch, and everybody turned to me. He's like, "What are you booing the Tigers manager for?" I'm not, I'm not booing him because he's the Tigers manager. I was booing him because he was the Astros manager. Right. Then. Yeah. I don't care about the Tigers manager. So yes, I know. I, I I share your opinion there. 
But with the end of the World Series, free agency starts now. Um, and um, it's the big class, specifically at shortstop. Um, we'll get into more of that later because don't expect this to be... MLB free agency does not move fast, and this year is not going to be an exception. So we'll have lots of time to talk about that this winter. Um, so I won't uh, touch more on that now. One thing we'll touch on right now, just because it was one of the bigger uh, names on the block going into free agency this year. Edwin Diaz and the Mets did reach a contract uh, to keep him in New York for five years. It is a five-year, $102 million contract. It is the first contract in Major League Baseball history to hit the nine-figure mark for a reliever. Edwin Diaz gets paid. According to Jeff Passan, the best closer in baseball stays in New York. Yeah, long-term contracts for relief pitchers always scare me. But Yep, I also agree. When I saw that that was a five-year deal, I was like, oop, years three, four, and five are a huge risk. They are. They are. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, of course, and we'll fill you in on free agency more later. Moving right along to our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, we're going to talk about one specific tweak to the college basketball rules that could have um, big effects on the Cyclone basketball team, specifically uh, Jazz Kuntz and Gabe Kalsha. Just by that, can you guys guess what it is? Gosh, I don't know. Could it be that our players like to fall onto the ground all the time? That 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 is exactly what it is, yes. Um, it's about the, the flopping violation. So if you, if you watched any Iowa state games last year, many of them, you likely saw Iowa state get called for a flopping warning because we like to flop when taking charges, uh, when attempting to take charges. So, uh, you saw that a lot in Iowa state's games this year, they are eliminating the warning for flopping. What that means is now if you get called for flopping, instead of getting a warning, and then a Class B technical foul, it'll just be an immediate Class B technical foul. But it still remains a point of emphasis for officials to be looking at. So Iowa State is going to have to clean that up because it'll immediately be a Class B technical foul, which results in one free throw um, for the opponents um, getting called for flopping. So keep an eye on that because that could, that could affect many games for Iowa State this year. Just something to keep an eye on. Any questions on that? Hopefully it'll eliminate it from our uh, from our repertoire, uh, but I don't know if it will or not. It definitely could change games in some instances, too. Yeah, I agree. Hopefully uh, TJ just coaches that a little bit differently this year, and we can minimize that because that is going to be very frustrating when that gets called in the middle of a close game. For sure. Moving right along to our accountability session, we have four predictions coming off the board, mostly from Kyle with one from Wyatt mixed in there. Um, first one from Kyle was that George Russell, Russell would finish in the top five of 75% of races. Um, Wyatt, you can fact check Kyle on this, but he says um, he's now finished in the top five in 17 races out of a possible 22, which is um, 77%. That is over 75. So for that, Kyle gets a ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. ding. The next one to come off the board was that Red Bull win the Constructors' Championship by over 100 points. Um, with two races left, I believe that is mathematically guaranteed. And by I believe, I mean I trust Kyle who says it is mathematically guaranteed. Well, I'll just so. give the stats. So there's, there's two games left. If Red Bull were to score zero points overall, the most points Ferrari could score is 
it's 86 or something like that. So with them already up by 203 points, they're not going to get over 100 points in two races. So that's why that is correct. So if that is correct, Kyle gets a ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Um, there was a prediction from Wyatt that KU would lose the rest of their conference games. As we hinted at um, in our Cyclone football segment, they beat Oklahoma State this last weekend. So for that, Wyatt gets a <laughs> And Kyle, um, in our Cyclone football preview episode, predicted that Hunter Deckers would have less than 15 touchdown passes this year. He threw it for his 15th and 16th touchdown passes against West Virginia. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. That is it for our accountability session. So I will go start putting things back on the board. Um, And I am going to predict that the Vikings will win three out of their next four games. Who do they play again? They've got the Bills on the road, which um, it depends on whether or not you think the Bills are going to have their starting quarterback or not. Then you've got the Cowboys at home, the Patriots at home, and the Jets at home. Well, so we so we can do this math. So thirty eight percent for the Bills, uh, according to five thirty eight. Forty eight percent, and I'm talking Vikings win percentage here. Forty eight percent against the Cowboys. Uh, sixty seven for the Patriots. For the yeah. Patriots, and then seventy one percent. What does that for leave Jets? us? What is that? Point zero nine. It would, it would be nine percent chance if I was predicting them to win all of them. I'm saying three out of four. Yeah, and we're assuming Josh Allen is gonna play in Correct. that. Correct. I, yes. That that's a tough schedule to win three out of four. It's a triple, at least in my opinion. I'd say triple. I mean, triple sounds good to me. Three or four. I don't think it's a home run because. You know, after half of the season, they've proven themselves to be a, a competent football team that knows how to win games pretty well. It's not a double, and it's definitely not a home run. So, block triple it, it is. Sounds good. <laughs> triple it is. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? I, I presume he's still alive. I was getting messages from him earlier in the day, um, but he has not opened my message asking if he has a prediction. So, we will not count this as a strikeout because. I, I sent him the message a little bit late. Um, we will uh, talk about his prediction for this week um, on next week's episode. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and predict that Iowa State will go to a bowl game south of Memphis. And I've made this prediction before, uh, the year after he went to the Liberty Bowl, and it was correct. Uh, however, this year is markedly different. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go to CBS Sports Bowl predictions for this. Um, we can You can say what you want. Yeah, um, so what? looking that up what would the what would we have given him if he just said iowa state goes to a bowl game at this point um probably a double that's what i was thinking so now you're adding something on top of that it's at least a triple well it depends how many big 12 bowl games are what percentage of big 12 bowl games are south of memphis all of them The, the sugar bowl in new orleans South, San Antonio, South, Orlando, South, Houston, South, Phoenix, South, Phoenix, South, Dallas, South. So basically you're saying we will go to a bowl game and it will not be the Liberty Bowl. (laughs) Okay. So uh, still double then probably. I I agree. Are you fine with that, Wyatt? Yeah, that's fine with me. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, Kyle. I am projecting that the Rams are only going to win six games this season. 
And I'm going to say six games exactly. So according to 538, 538 is projecting them to finish with a record of seven and 10. And the reason, also the reason why I'm projecting this, a little bit of backstory for all of our listeners, it will be the worst Super Bowl defense uh, in NFL history. So a team defending their Super Bowl victory, they will have the worst uh, record uh, in a non-lockout era or season. You love to see it. Outside of matching the the worst record of the Denver Broncos after they won two Super Bowls in a row and John Elway retired. I'm leaving that out of the equation because you brought back all of your star players. Yeah. They would only win three games for the rest of the year. Two, right? They're at four they're wins at three right and, now? Or they're three at three and five wins. right now. Yeah, three games the rest of the season. That seems low to me. Win exactly so, three, yeah. They should, they should beat the Saints. They should probably beat the Raiders and the Packers. And in theory, they should beat the Broncos. That's four. But also, they kind of suck, so it's hard to tell. I'm thinking triple, just because he said exactly. Uh, I'd agree. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'd agree. Triple sounds good. All right, what about you? So I'm going to predict that our only win for Cyclone football is going to be TCU for the rest of the year. That will stop us from going to a bowl game and simultaneously stop them from going to the college football playoffs, probably. And nothing sounds more Iowa State than that. Everyone will be unhappy. And we'll all just go home. So just to clarify, are the is the um, TCU doesn't go to the college football playoff part of this prediction or not? Yeah, that's fine. If they lose to us, they're not going. So I'm fine including that. Okay, I just wanted to double check because yeah. that could could affect uh, could affect the odds there. So I didn't initially intend it to be, but I feel comfortable including that. Well, so the odds, according to ESPN's FPI, and I know, I know, no one likes ESPN's FPI, but it's the best we've got. Or at least the most easily accessible we've got. Right. says that TCU has a 70% chance to win that game. Um, so that right there um, is a 30% chance. So 0.3. And then you say, we'd have to say we'd lose to Texas Tech, which there's only a, um, a 31% chance of happening. And we lose to Oklahoma State, which there's a 46% chance of happening. Sorry, a 54% chance of happening. That's a 5% right there, um, just on those probabilities. And you tack on that TCU doesn't go to the playoff. This is right on the border between triple and home run, guys. What do you think? Home run. Uh, home run, yeah. Uh, yeah, it probably ain't going to happen. Home run. Home run it is. Dig it. With a shovel? You bet. With one double, two triples, and a home run, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this long episode of the 8311 Cast, episode 198. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311Cast on Instagram and Twitter. Ending off for the 8311 Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!